you know, hold up your Bible, say this with us, say it like you mean it. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. And I do what it tells me to do. I love my Bible. Therefore, I make this confession that I meditate it day and night, in the morning and in the evening, a chapter every day, Monday through Friday. And because I do, my life is blessed. Oh, it is blessed. No more a mess. Now everything I touch, everything I touch turns to success. Do you believe that? Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for this another opportunity to minister your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. We ask you to shine the light of your word by the Holy Spirit. Help us to see what we're missing, even concerning the subject of unrighteousness, that we might be better because of it. We pray that revelation knowledge flow freely and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic force. Everyone in person and online will be blessed as a result of being in this moment. We thank you, Father, for the operation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He is the teacher. So have your way. Think through our minds. Reveal to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Very quickly in the time uh, that's remaining, I want to talk to you today from the subject, you need boldness. And I'm going to explain to you from the Word of God why that's so important. You need boldness. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 15, and I'm going to take my time to read this. It says, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, let me ask you a question. Is there anybody here that confesses that Jesus is the Son of God? All right, well, it's talking about me. It's talking about you. He said, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. God is living on the inside of you. Now, you might not be conscious of his presence. Because we've established that unrighteousness is standing in God's presence, but you feel guilty. But peradventure, because you're not conscious... Of his indwelling presence, you still function normally through life. You don't go to work feeling guilty. But the moment you're conscious of his presence, as if God walked into the room, here's the consciousness of your sin. Whoever confesses that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, whether we're conscious or not, God abides in him and he and God. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. Anybody here know that God loves you? Anybody here believe that God loves you? Man, he's talking about us. For we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God. He emphasizes it again. God is in us, whether we're conscious or not. See, when I'm conscious of God and I stand in front of a mountain, there's nobody greater. You know, situations that come up, and they're really big giants. God is bigger. And he's in me. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, 
that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 17 is our text for today. I pray by the time we finish with this, you'll leave with a consciousness of God and a boldness that you need. Amen? The second foundational scripture for today is Proverbs chapter 28 and verse number 1. Proverbs 28, 1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues. I grew up in Detroit. (laughs) Uh, I remember going to, you know, wanting to be fun and have fun. My parents are pastors. They're pastoring right now. And, uh, you know, as I got to be a young adult or late teenager trying to get away from mom and dad's control, I would go places I shouldn't go and do things I shouldn't do. Amen. The Bible says if you train up your child in the way that they should go, when they're old, they won't depart. All of my siblings and I are born again, love God, serve God in some capacity. Amen. But I can remember being in certain places I shouldn't be. And, you know, just if somebody started running, I'd run, not knowing what we're running for. And a few people understand what I'm saying. The Bible says the wicked flee when nobody is pursuing them. Let's focus on the last part. But the righteous are bold as a lion. We started a new series last week by direction of the Lord. This series is about you and the subject of righteousness. We said that sin is the problem in this world. But for the believers, sin is not necessarily the problem. The big deal for Christians is this thing called unrighteousness. Righteousness is right standing with God in its simplest form. If you look it up in a concordance, I mean, it's going to give you the indication. It's like when you have good standing with your homeowners association or membership. But when you dig a little deeper, righteousness is the ability to stand in the presence of God as if sin has never before existed. The Bible talks about our righteousness and his righteousness. Specifically, it says that all of our own righteousness is as filthy rags. You don't use the filthy rag to take your makeup off. You use the filthy rag to clean up the milk when it falls on the floor, right? There are certain rags we have. It's a considered filthy rag. Your best day of doing right is like that rag that you use to clean with, that you wouldn't use to wipe your face. But because of Jesus, he who knew no sin, who was made to be sin for us, by him we were made righteous when we couldn't be righteous on our own. That's what we're talking about in this here. Righteousness is your and my ability to stand in God's presence as if, as if. Some might say as if. It's never before existed. Conversely, unrighteousness is... Sin consciousness. We dealt with that in simplicity. Unrighteousness is sin consciousness. When you're conscious of your sins, you're in unrighteousness. It is a sense of guilt or shame, (laughs) condemnation, inferiority, and it's fear. 
It is the inability to stand in the presence of God as if sin has never before existed. So that's simplicity. I like simplicity. It helps me through life. My assignment for today is to show you, from the Word of God, Satan's end game. How many of y'all like movies? All right, so y'all know where I went with that. So we're going to talk about Satan's end game in tempting you to sin. I want to expose one of his tactics so that he no longer can take advantage of you. And so that you can reign victoriously in life. His goal in tempting you and I to sin is not about sin. It's to get you dirtied or sullied with unrighteousness. Think about it. All of our sins have already been dealt with by the blood of Jesus. If we were to go out, shouldn't, willingly or unwillingly, and do something we have no business doing, guess what? Jesus is not coming back next week, born of a virgin, again, live another 30 years, die on the cross for your new sins. Hebrews teaches us when he died, he died for all mankind, for all sin, once and for all. Now Paul said in Romans, that is not a license to sin. Should we continue to sin so that grace could abound? He said, God forbid. Don't do that. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of, a, of, of God. Don't play like that. And Hebrews 10 really dealt with that very carefully. But Jesus is not going to die again for a new sin. But if you confess your sin, he'll forgive it. And then he'll cleanse you of what comes as a result of sin. Listen, this series is not to eradicate the idea of sin being a problem, but to deal with the issue of righteousness. Let me say it this way. You cannot sin without unrighteousness showing up. The moment you say something you're not supposed to, you're going to feel guilty. And if you don't, then the Bible says your conscience is seared. If you can keep treating people like that, keep talking to people like that, and you don't feel bad at all, something wrong with you. <laughs> your heart has become hardened, and you are in a very dark and a very dangerous place. And I can tell you the truth. If you were to ever get in a place where the Spirit and the power of God is manifested, all of that harshness will be pierced with the love and the light of God, and it will be revealed that you know you ain't right. I'm talking to somebody online. So I want to deal with Satan's end game. It's really not about the sin. It's about the unrighteous. He wants to get you feeling guilty. It's so funny because the enemy will tempt you to do something and then make you feel bad for doing it. What kind of Christian are you? Now, he, he, he was the one who was like put that first thought in your mind. You know, don't you, 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 girl, it's Friday. You know, man, let me call that girl, man. Just, you, you know, just I want to go out and have something to eat. And then 
the next thing you know, you done did something you're not supposed to do, said something you so forth and so on. And then he's the first one in line. You beating yourself over the head with a hammer. He shows up with a sledgehammer. Yeah, you really ain't no good. You know, come on, somebody. Making you feel horrible. So his goal in, in, in tempting you to sin is not about the sin. It's to get you dirtied in unrighteousness. Because unrighteousness, listen carefully, and if you're taking notes, write this down. Unrighteousness robs you of the confidence you need to stand against him when he comes to take something from you or to do something to you. So let's reveal his end game. Second Corinthians chapter 2 verse 11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The reason why the Spirit of God wants to come to you today with a word called you need boldness is to reveal Satan's end game. Because he is trying to get an advantage over you. He's trying to take advantage of you. What is he trying to do? According to Jesus in John chapter 10 and verse 10, the Bible says that the thief, referring to Satan, does not come except to steal and kill and to destroy. I have come, Jesus said, that you might have life and that you might have an abundant life, a good life, live a good life to the full and until it overflows. But Satan is coming. What does he do? And what does he use when he comes? He uses sin to get you sullied in unrighteousness so that when he comes to pick your pocket, you won't tell him, no, get your hand out of my pocket. Oh, y'all got to pray for me a little bit more. So he comes to steal. He comes to kill. He comes to destroy. He really doesn't care about you feeling guilty. He really doesn't care about you feeling inferior. He really doesn't care about you feeling fearful. What he cares about is that when he comes to take from you, you won't stand up against him with boldness and tell him no. In 1 Peter, the book of 1 Peter, Chapter 5 and verse number 8. The Bible says for us to be sober. Sobriety. We're talking about think straight, not like a drunk. You can pick a drunk person's pocket. Come on, you can rob them. You can get them to do things. The other day we were reading a chapter and David was trying to get Uriah to go home to his wife. And, you know, well, it didn't work this way. And so then he got him drunk and then he tried to do it that way. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, think straight. Not like a drunk. He says, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about. He's not a roaring lion. He's like a roaring lion. And guess what? He's roaming about seeking whom he may destroy. What that verse of Scripture teaches us is that there are some whom's that he may not destroy. I want to know who are the whom's that the devil can't destroy. I'm here to tell you it's the believer that has boldness who stands in the righteousness of God and resists the devil. 
So the devil doesn't have the authority that so many think he has. He just can't come into your life and take your healing and come into your life and take your peace and come into your job and steal your, you know, and take your money. No, he can't take your children. No, he can't just, just do, like, oh, there's the power of God and then there's the power of the enemy and, ooh, these are two. No, there's no equal power. We will narrowly look upon him. He is a defeated foe. So he says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walketh about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Verse 9 tells us to resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions or sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. The enemy is coming against them like he's coming against us. The bottom line is when he comes, not, not if he comes, when he comes, come on somebody, when he comes, you've got to put up a fight. Somebody say, uh, look at your name and say, fit for the fight. So he's coming. But you've got to be fit for the fight. You need boldness to deal with the devil. He wants, the reason why he tempts you to sin is not about the sin. You don't care about that. What he wants you and he wants to rob you of the confidence that you need when you pray for that financial miracle that the door will open. Right? And the healing will manifest. James chapter 1. I'll give you one more and then I'll talk a little bit. James 1 chapter 14 verse 16. This shows us the picture of what it looks like. He says everybody is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So you've got these natural, physical desires, but then you've got the enemy who's enticing you, trying to get you. Doesn't that look good? Look at this. Do that. You know, he's enticing you. But this is the picture. Verse 15. Then when the desire for what Satan is tempting you to do conceives, you know, conception happens when there's a seed that's sown. Ooh, I'm preaching good. Concession happens with a seed of zone. The devil will sow the seed of a thought, the seed of a thought for you to steal something. Yeah, I mean, come on, what? Take something that doesn't belong to you, thinking you have rights to it, entitled to it. That thought comes, and if you entertain that and don't resist that, then when it's conceived, it gives birth to sin. That's where the sin happens. And then sin, when it is full grown, It'll bring about ultimately death in all of its ramifications. Sin produces unrighteousness, which costs you your confidence. So think about it. He'll tempt you to sin so that he can heap upon you guilt, shame, and condemnation for doing it. Why? So that when you try to stand up against him, when he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, you won't be fit for the fight. Mark chapter 4. Is this good for anybody? This is good preaching, man, I'm telling you. In Mark chapter 4, verse 15, it says, And these are the ones by the wayside where the word of God is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately to take away the word that is sown in their heart. When you go to a church like Faith Family Church, we preach the word of God. You're not going to get out of here with about 20 or 30 scriptures a Sunday. And about 10 chapters during the week with another, come on somebody, 
set of scriptures on, on Wednesday night. Amen. You're getting to work. And so what happens is now this, the, the, the enemy's coming for everybody. You all do know that. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy, not Christians, but also to the world. But when you hear the word, he's coming immediately for the word to take it away. So what is he coming to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. How does he do it? By tempting you to sin. So what? That you can be unrighteous. And so what? That you let him take from you what belongs to you. He comes for the word's sake. He's got to get you to let go of the rhema words that God speaks into your life before they start producing fruit. God has given us a rhema word that we have our building, that we broke ground for our building on December 13th, 2020. And the enemy comes to say, no, you're not going to have your own building. You're going to have to keep renting from place to place. You'll never be able to buy land cash and build buildings cash and have equipment cash the enemy comes and if you or I allow unrighteousness he'll rob us of the confidence that we need to resist him he's coming for the word's sake somebody say he's coming for the word's sake Pastor Carol looked at it I mean man it was just a powerful word fit for the fight about three weeks or three Sundays ago Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10 through 13 He says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong. What does that look like in the Lord and in the presence of the Lord? What does that look like? He says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. All of the armor of God is so that you can stand when the devil comes at you with tricks and chicanery. Come gaming you. He said, put on the whole armor, God, that you may be able to stand. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not your spouse that's the problem. It's not your boss that's the problem. It's not your extended family members that's the problem. At the end of the day, the enemy is coming at you, trying to destroy your marriage, trying to take your job, trying to ruin your life. But we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Those are just demonic spirits on different levels. It's still the devil. Therefore, he says, take up the whole armor of God. Why? So that you may be able to stand or withstand in the evil day. Somebody underline that in your heart. In the evil day. The day Satan comes after you is the evil day. And on that day, you need to be strong. On that day, you need to be bold. On that day that the doctor report comes, that's when you need to be strong and in faith. Not feeling I brought this on myself. All those years of drinking. All those years of smoking. All those years of running around. All those years of lying. That stuff that I stole when I was young, now it's coming upon me. They said, what goes around comes around. If you believe that, He's got you. Right where He wants you. And He will pick your pocket clean.
when you have sinned and are feeling guilty and ashamed and condemned and inferior and are fearful in the evil day, you won't stand strong. The evil day is the day of tests and trials and temptation. It is the day of adversity. It is the day of judgment. It's the day where a decision has to be made. That's the day of judgment. And these collection of scriptures by the Holy Spirit are to infuse you with the confidence and the boldness that you need. So in that evil day, day of adversity and day of judgment, you can stand strong. In Proverbs 24 and 10, he says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. Think about it. If you're fighting, uh, Pastor Carol referred to it. If you're fighting, it's not necessarily that you can put up a fight, but it's how long. Oh, man, I'm preaching to somebody. How long can you stand in the fight? He said in the Word, if you faint in the day of adversity, how many of you all can see that that is the evil day? That is the day the devil comes with the test and the trial. That is the day of judgment where a decision has to be made. And if you start wigging out, come on somebody, you start giving up and quit throwing in a, why me? If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. As I get ready to wrap this up, 1 John chapter 4, now we're going to circle back. And now this verse is the verse you leave, Sister Dolores, with revelation knowledge. This verse in your life will never be forgotten because of what we just read. Because God is saying something to you, no matter what you face this week or next month or next year, love has been perfected among us. So that, say it out loud, God loves me. See, love will never leave you in a bad situation. Oh, that man, he told me he loved me. Well, listen, love, if it's love, come on somebody, will never leave you in a bad situation. And see, if you recognize the the fact that God loves me, it don't matter what the doctor said. It doesn't matter what the lawyer said. It, it, it doesn't matter what the, 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 the prosecution is going about. It doesn't matter what the defense is saying. If you believe and know that God loves you and you let that start developing on the inside, you recognize God is in me and I am in God. And then greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. And if God be for me, I wish I had a church where I could preach at. If God be for me, then who can be against me? Love has been perfected among us in this so that we may have boldness. When? In the day of judgment, which is in the evil day which is in the day of adversity. Come on, somebody. Because as He is, so are we in this world. It's why I don't worry about money. It's why I don't worry about our future. It's why I don't worry about my children. It's why I don't worry about my body. It's why I don't worry about tomorrow. It's why I don't worry about what to eat. 
I don't worry about what to drink. And how are we going to pay this? How are we going to pay that? And where is this going to come from? Because as He is, so are we in this world. Now I understand Proverbs 28 and verse 1. Our second text for today. The wicked flees when no one is pursuing him. Why? Because he's guilty. Right? He's ashamed. He's scared. He's inferior. He's skittish, timid, right? But the righteous. Let me break it down. Somebody say, break it down, Pastor Stan. Those who can stand in the presence of God as if sin has never before existed, they're bold as a liar. I'll say it one more time. The wicked, those that are unrighteous, those that are guilty and ashamed, when trouble comes, they're scared out of their wits. But those who can stand in the presence of God as if, somebody said that's a big as if, because it's not, right? You've sinned, you've messed up, but as if. They are as bold as a line. Did you all get anything out of that today? You need boldness. This is why. This is the why we're in the series talking about you and the subject of righteousness. This is why we've got to understand 1 John 1, 9 like never before. It it can't just be softly remembered. It's got to be completely understood. So that when I sin, I don't run away from God. Come on, when I sin, I don't run away from God. I don't stop coming to church. I don't stop doing what I know to do. When I sin, I don't stop reading my Bible. I don't stop praying. When I sin, I run to God. So that he, so I can confess it, and he can cleanse me, get that unrighteousness off me, because the enemy's coming. He's the one attempting me to do it. But I can stand before him as if sin has never before existed. Father, I pray over every person online, everybody in the house, that this become their truth, and this becomes their revelation that we understand what this looks like. We know the enemy is coming. He's coming this week. But when he comes, it'll be different this time than last time because we're not timid. We're not afraid. So, Father, we thank you that not one of us leave the same way that we came. In Jesus' name, amen. I have already prayed uh, the sinner's prayer, so we welcome you.